Praise God. The Lord is good. Let's go ahead and get out our Bibles this morning and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, uh, and we'll get into some stuff here today that I believe will be a, a help and a blessing to everybody. And uh, we're not here to tear anybody down. We're here to lift you up. Amen. Fix you up. Carry up. Amen. Father, we just love you today. Thank you for your word, your precious Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, who is our guide. Lord, we thank you for helping us to see and know your will and your ways, your plan. Thank you, Lord, that in your power, in your glory, we do stand. Thank you now for utterance in the Spirit of God that each person might see things they didn't see before. They might hear things they didn't hear before and have a greater understanding and revelation of who you are and all you've done. Thank you, thank you, thank you for every good thing that comes from above and all that's accomplished here today in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, Jesus was raised from the dead. Aren't you glad for that? Now that fact changes everything. It really does. Without that, what we do is worthless. What we're doing here serves no purpose. Other than unless you just like the person sitting next to you, I guess. But there's no really redemptive or eternal value in what we do here in our gathering together if Jesus was not raised from the dead. That's why we celebrate this time, this year, uh, this time of year today, <laughs> Easter Resurrection Day. And uh, praise God. I want to show you a couple of things along these lines today that will stir your heart and, uh, and help to continue to change your life, all right? And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says in verse 13, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, um, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. If for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Again, this is a hinging point and the basis for all that we do and all that we stand for, and all that we live for and all that we're able to receive from God is contingent upon the fact that Jesus is alive. Amen. To die well, that's not super impressive. <laughs> I mean, any kind of voluntary death, especially one of great suffering, is impressive from the sacrifice standpoint. But in reality, we could all potentially do that. And we're all going to do that in some form or fashion. That is, die. But to actually come out of the grave and be alive is very impressive. Especially if you were able to predict it. If you could prophesy your own death and the manner in which it happens and burial and resurrection and then fulfill it, okay, that's some pretty serious stuff. If you could add to that, you weren't the only one that prophesied it, but many others prophesied it thousands of years prior. And they said this is going to happen. And then you showed up on the scene and said, uh, what they were talking about, that's me. 
Oh, really? I mean, that's quite a statement. <laughs> You're saying that's you? All these prophecies, that's you? Yeah, right. But then he did it. How many know that gives ultimate credibility to everything Jesus says from here on out? Oh, yeah, I can no longer take him lightly. I can no longer dismiss any words that he, he says, even if they are un, misunderstood by me. I mean, the guy prophesied and fulfilled his own death and resurrection. Let's see someone else duplicate that. <laughs> and so it really sets him aside and sets him apart from everything else. Everything we do as Christians is, uh, hinges upon the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead and, uh, and knowing that and seeing that continues to change and alter our lives. Uh, many people are confused, I think, um, when it comes to relating to God. They think that the more that they see and are aware of wrongdoing, that the more they'll be better off, the more, the more they'll be uh, better Christians, the more we can see and identify sin. Well, that should be our primary goal, right? <laughs> in fact, some, some in the name of God have become experts at identifying sin. Yeah, they're highly skilled in being able to identify what's wrong with people and, uh, and, and do it in the name of the Lord. I mean, supposedly, you know, in the name of the Lord. And, and, and that's, that's tragic. Some have even referred to it as a gift. Uh, they are highly skilled in, in gifts of discernment and, and whatnot, and they're able to identify people's problems. Well, to the end result that people are mindful of sin instead of mindful of Him. And I tell you what, the reason I am saved today, the reason my life has changed and I have great, great confidence and expectation moving forward is not because I'm filled with all the knowledge of everything that I'm not. Not because I wake up every morning and think I'm a failure, I wait, I'm, I'm not good at this, I fall short in this area. But no, to the extent that I can see Him in resurrection form. To, to the extent that I can see that Jesus conquered everything that I'm not, that he overcame everything that, that, that I fall short in, and that all that was credited to my account, to only that degree do I and can I live victorious in life. So our goal here today is not to see sin, but is to see him. And not, not is to be, it's not to be mindful of everything that we're not or any, or any area that we fall short in, but to be mindful that he has overcome, that he has been raised from the dead. And again, that fact caused me to be born again. And day by day, as I see him, it empowers and enables me to live a victorious life. Now, I, now this is somewhat unpopular. It's amazing, even in church. Uh, to, to think like this, to, to, to believe like this. In fact, one time I was, uh, I was teaching a message along some of these lines and righteousness and being right with God and grace and forgiveness and all these things. And, uh, and I can recall after a service that I was teaching, one woman uh, really had a hard time with that and kind of took me to task a little bit about sin and, and how we still have to do the X, Y, and Z, and, and I was endeavoring to explain to her, I said, no, no, uh, that's really not the New Testament message, all right, that's an Old Testament message there to show you where you fall short, the new message is who we are in Him now, in Christ, and, I, I, and we had a little bit of a discussion, I didn't think it was going real well, and, and it wasn't, and, <laughs> and finally I just said, listen, we're not supposed to be mindful of sin. You know, Hebrews calls that a sin consciousness. We're cleansed from a consciousness of sin so we can have a righteousness consciousness and who we are in Christ. And that just really just, that was the end of that conversation. I've never seen that woman again. 
And it's amazing what religion will do. It will cause people to want to embrace the very thing that they want to overcome. I mean, in this person and others who think like that, they don't want to do wrong. They don't want to live wrong. They don't want to uh, live in sin or, you know, they want to live right before God and they want to do what's pleasing to Him. But too often, the mindset is wrong. The approach is absolutely wrong. And it's becoming people school themselves in, again, condemnation and guilt and I'm, I'm less than, I'm nothing than, I'm a waste of the oxygen and so forth and, and just really they educate themselves in unworthiness and yet that's the very reason that Jesus came. He was raised from the dead so that we could become what he is and that is righteous before God. That is absolutely clean and pure and holy and we are supposed to be aware now and keep our mind on who Jesus is in resurrection power, in resurrection form. What does that mean? Overcoming death, hell, and the grave. Overcoming every sickness and curse and every disease. Let's go over to Luke chapter 24 today. See, whenever I am mindful of what Jesus did and the fact that he overcame the greatest obstacle in life, and that is death, and conquered it, that kind of gives a heavy weight to everything the guy says. I mean, sometimes people have questions and debates about things in history and, and you know, what do you, what do you believe about this and what do you believe, you know, even going back to creation and everything else. And they say, well, what do you think about that? Well, if I can find what Jesus thought, that answers it for me. Say, well, do you believe in, well, Jesus did. I'm going to go ahead and have to go with him. Well, why do you believe everything he said? Well, the, the guy was raised from the dead. And I know other people have been raised from the dead, but he, he prophesied his own. He was a fulfillment. I mean, that just goes beyond the pale. That, that goes beyond what human beings can cause and make happen. I'm going to go with what he said. If he thought something was true, I'm staying with that. Now, I could go with you. I could go with somebody else. But if it contradicts Jesus and he did that, until you can do the same, or until someone else can do the same, I'm going to stay with him. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, Luke chapter 24, I want to fast forward now through the cross, through the third day, through the resurrection, until right after the resurrection. And we want to talk a little bit about a conversation Jesus had with two disciples. Luke 24, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. It, it, Everybody remember that there's a, there's a physical sight, and then there's spiritual sight. There's an understanding type of sight that a person can have. I mean, it's very possible for, uh, in fact, it's true that all of us in here today, we're on various levels of sight, all right? Not talking physical sight, but I'm talking about understanding. And, and, and literally, it's possible to be talking with Jesus and not know that you are. It's possible to be hearing the words, the very words of Almighty God and not recognize that. I mean, that's tragic, 
But that's the case. In this case, the Lord intentionally did this. We'll tell you, tell you why in a minute. But he intentionally did this. He restrained them. So they thought, well, that's just some dude. And they're walking down the road with him. Verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Will the Lord ever ask you a question that he knows the answer to? <laughs> if you ever find the Lord ans- asking you a question, he's not seeking your counsel. <laughs> what should I do here? No, the the Lord asks us questions at times because he wants us to say the answer. He wants it to come out of us because uh, many times we know. Uh, Verse 18, then uh, the one, so they were sad, then the one whose name was Cleopas, that could have been related to why he was sad, I'm not sure, probably not. (laughs) Didn't help though. The one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here, uh, there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Now, are, are these guys happy? No, very clearly the Bible says they're sad. How can you be sad when the most amazing, powerful, life-changing event just happened? I mean, the hinging point of all history just took place. Everything is different. From right then and from, from right there, and they are what? Sad. They're discouraged. They're in unbelief. That's the key right there, by the way. How can they be sad? Because they don't believe what just took place. You can see these guys weren't hanging out in the tomb. He's coming out any minute. <laughs> Waiting there for three days, <laughs> thinking, man, any moment. He's come. I, I, you remember what he said? I remember what he said. He said he's going to rise from the dead. They didn't even remember he said that, right? And you can see here by their language, I thought he was a prophet. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is a little bit more than a prophet, though. And uh, But they were discouraged. They were not seeing things straight. The most amazing thing had transpired, yet they were sad. Can you see that whenever you don't believe correctly, sadness is present? And the opposite's true. Whenever someone believes correctly, joy is present. Hmm. I mean, it's a good self-check for any of us. If you're feeling down, feeling mighty low, you know, uh, not, 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 not enjoying life, uh, there's, there's sadness and depression in your life, it's simply an indication. You don't have to beat yourself up over it. It's an indication that your believing is out of whack somewhere. Because the Lord has, in His Word, promised and provided everything that would basically cause us to be thrilled about our existence. And if I'm not someday... If I'm not thrilled about my life and existence and future, then I'm believing something wrong. Come on now. And uh, anyway, uh, we see here that these guys aren't believing right. And, uh, and let's continue reading here in verse, verse 22. Yes, and, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. Aston- How many know faith is not surprised? <gasps> It's unbelievable. 
that shouldn't be used too frequently in our language. You know, believers. I don't even like to say, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, why? I can't? Well, I can because I'm by nature a believer. Anyway, they were astonished. How many know we should never be astonished at God's word coming true? Someone gets saved, someone gets healed, someone gets completely set free in an instant. Yeah, many people who don't know God, they would go, oh, wow, we should go, praise God. That's exactly what I expected. We can live with an expectation of the supernatural. All right, let's keep going. Verse 23, when they did not find his body, they came saying that, he, uh, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Notice Jesus' correction to them, his admonition. He said, you guys are fools, number one. So let's, that's not good. <laughs> this is just simple. This is what the Lord says is bad. To be foolish, uh, I think that comes in line, to be foolish, uh, to not recognize the reality of what God has said and what He's done. Many people today, even saved people, even people in church, they are ignorant of the revelation of God's Word, and that is a great hindrance to all of life. Well, I just love God. Well, that's not enough. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean... What I mean by that is we've got to understand Him. We've got to know Him. I don't want to be accused of being foolish, walking down a road, sad and despondent and in despair, when the reality is, man, I have every reason to rejoice and shout. He said, he said you, you're, you're foolish, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. Let that not be said about you and me. That we are slow of heart to believe. And that's not the same as being, uh, you know, in church for a long time, saved a long time. I I've met uh, people on numerous occasions where I've been praying for individuals, um, for their healing, their physical healing. And I've prayed for some, prayed for some who've been walking with the Lord for many, many years. Let me say it this way. They've been saved for a long time. And it's like laying hands on a doorknob. It's like, I don't know how to explain that. How come nothing's going in you when I pray for you? How come there's no flow of the Spirit? And if you don't understand that, the things of the Spirit are very real. This is not make-believe or just mental or some emotional thing. The power of God is very real. That's why we see miracles all the time. But then I, I can identify praying with others at times that you look at their life and you think, man, you are about as immature and about as carnal as you can get. You know, they probably sinned on the way walking down to get prayed for. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just not real living a real holy life or anything like that. But there's something about their heart that is open, that is quick to believe, that is just easily receptive of the things of God. And not that we admire the first. We don't admire immaturity. We should all be 
growing up in the things of God and be spiritually minded. But the fact that someone has an open heart, and I've seen people just get healed, bam, just like that. Bam, just instantaneous, miraculous results with the greatest of ease. And you think, your mind goes, man, you're not even living right. How do you get healed so easy? <laughs> well, it's an openness of heart and a trust in Him as opposed to trusting in them, themselves. And, and, and we all need to understand that and, and, and live that way. But He said, you're slow of heart to believe. And He went on to say, verse 26, Jesus talking to the again, they don't know it's Jesus. He said, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He said, you guys should have known this. Isn't this what the, the, the Bible, in their case, was the Old Testament? Isn't that what it said would happen? Why are you surprised at, at, at hearing these reports of him coming out of the grave and him being raised up and him suffering all these things. So they thought their life was over. They just gave three and a half years to this dude, followed him around, gave up their businesses, all this kind of stuff, and then he dies on the cross. I mean, that's sad <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know the end of the story. If you don't, I mean, it's kind of like one of those jokes without the punchline. You're waiting. Oh, I forgot the end, how, how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> don't tell the joke then. <laughs> People have read the Bible and have missed the point. I'll, I'll, let me come back to that. Look at verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now watch this. This is a this is quite an amazing statement here. They're walking. How long? How far are they walking? Seven miles. Jesus joined up with them somewhere along the road. So they've got some time. They've got some hours. They've got some time when they're walking. And Jesus opens up the Bible, the, uh, the Scriptures. Okay, of course, that didn't have Matthew through Revelation like we have. Because we know what that's talking about for the most part we see that's clear jesus 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 he because that wasn't written yet he opens up the old part remember that part where the pages are stuck together uh, genesis through malachi and he said beginning at moses what's Mo moses means genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and then all the prophets and all the scriptures and he they start walking for hours he starts pointing to out, out Jesus, out himself, in all of the scriptures. Now, if, I don't know if you've done a concordance search lately. You can type in, if you've got a computer software or online program, Jesus, and just choose Old Testament. How many hits are you going to get? <laughs> You're going to find a bunch of references about Jesus in the Old Testament. You're not. But that's all they had, and for hours he showed him himself from the Old Testament. That'd be a good Bible study. I think he probably started in Genesis and started, he said, when there was a prophecy that the seed of the woman would crush your head, talking to the serpent or the devil. And he said, that's Jesus. And they didn't know it was him yet. 
and he goes on. I bet he went through all the Old Testament, Old Testament sacrifices, all the rituals and things that they were required to go through through the law. And they thought, man, what's the, with the detail and all these little ins and outs of this? And he said, you see this, and you see this, and you see this. And he went through all the books of the Old Testament. And you know what was there in every one of them? Jesus. Do you know what Genesis is about? Well, that's creation. No, Jesus. What about Exodus? Well, yeah, that's when the Jews were delivered from, uh, you know, Egypt. No, that was about Jesus too. What about Leviticus and the sacrifices and all the, that was about Jesus. What, and you can go through. What about the Psalms? Oh, that was about Jesus. What about Hosea? Hosea, that's certainly not about, no, that's about Jesus. And he, here's the thing. God gave his word in a concealed form. And for thousands of years, they were all about Jesus, but most people just, they just didn't really know that. And even these disciples, they didn't get it, that all the scriptures they're studying, they're all about Jesus. And I, I think um, it's important that we recognize that in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed, the Old Testament, he's concealed, but it's all about him. And I think it's possible for people to try to serve God, for people to come to church and miss the point of Jesus. It's possible for someone to read their Bible and be diligent in prayer and miss Jesus. They did. They had studied the scripture. They had read the word and they needed someone to come point it out. And thank God sometimes we still need that. The Lord helps us. They needed someone to come point out and say, this is what this is talking about. You thought it was just what it said, you know, the literal, but there was a hidden truth in there. And it's throughout Scripture. You know what this book is basically about? Jesus. And I'm just talking about the New Testament. I'm talking about the Old Testament. It's a, it's a book about Jesus. And the primary goal for us ought to be whenever we read the Bible, we're looking for Him. And if we don't come out seeing Him, more clear and more accurate and more precise than ever before, we've missed something. And what we're likely to do is come out with more self-consciousness, more sin consciousness, more regulation consciousness. We're likely to come out with maybe some new religion. We're likely to come out being critical of others if we miss the main point. What a tragedy to read the Bible and miss the subject, the central theme, the focus, the main character of all that it was written about. Amen. Religion is one, is something that makes a person, again, self-conscious, sin-conscious, but God wants us to be Jesus-conscious. Whenever we become conscious of Him, this makes our faith soar. It brings victory over sin and over every curse. But the human tendency is to come out of here, come out of the Bible, come out of uh, talk with God, and everything's about me. Everything's about how I act and what I do and, 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 and all that stuff. Instead of coming out with a consciousness of the resurrected Jesus, then I don't have to be mindful of sin but I can be mindful of him and I don't have problem with sin. 
Those who have the most difficulty living an overcoming life in all areas are mindful of their problems and of their failures and of all they fall short in. You know, um, let, me, let me go somewhere else. John 5, then I'll say what I was going to say. The Old Testament is, is about looking at yourself. The New Testament is about looking at Jesus. John 5, verse 39, Jesus speaking to some religious people of his day, said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Notice what they were doing. They were Bible readers. They were word people. They're studying the scriptures. They're reading the word of God. They're, they got the regulations down. They even add a few to their own, you know, just to fill in the gaps. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's all about the scriptures and the word and memorization and getting it all down and getting everything, doing everything exactly right. He said, those scriptures, this is before now. This is before the resurrection. He said, they're talking about me. And you won't even see me in there. You don't, you're reading the word that's about me and you don't see me. Is that possible that we could do that today? I'm telling you, it's possible for a person even to read the New Testament today and not come to Jesus. And he's, of course, in full sight there. Fully revealed. And it's possible for us to read the Bible, be in church, to try to serve God and do it mindful of ourselves of our shortcomings, mindful of our sin and our lack and failure, instead of being mindful of Him. And that's a sure pathway to defeat. That's a sure pathway for us to live a defeated life. You know, you, you know I know the, the, the Word of God tells us um, uh, many things, really about all areas of life. Yeah, you can talk about finances galore in the scripture. You can talk about relationships and marriage, and you can talk about, uh, you know, work and, and, and business and all kinds of things. There's so much wisdom and understanding from the scripture, and it's not wrong to teach about, about any of those things, but what happens sometimes is we've gotten our eye off the ball in the sense that we've replaced the true resurrection power of Jesus with just dealing with natural life watch in its proper place it all fits together perfect and it's all it all works but you could go to church and one week you could talk about you know managing your finances well and planning for the future and you can use bible verses and another week you can talk about marriage and, and treating people right and, and getting along with your spouse or raising your kids with good godly biblical principles and you can do that and it'll all be right it'll all be true and I'll be good and and helpful and you could go week after week and deal with practical this practical this practical this and I'm all into practical don't get me wrong but you can deal with all this stuff and you could and you could skip talking about Jesus you really could and be reading the bible would there be any problem with that? Serious problem with that. Because when we do, we cut off the power source 
and the true wisdom source. When we do, we've missed the point. We've got kind of all the subplots down, but we missed the main thing. And the Lord's plan for us is not that we spend all our time talking about the peripheral issues and skip the main thing, but that we keep our eye on Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and then everything else flows out of that. We were not designed to where, and God did not create His church so that people could get together and get all their little issues worked out independent of resurrection power. Everybody with me now? What that creates is just a, like a self-help church. It's just a practical thing, but that it's, it's missing the power of God. That never ultimately works, and it is ultimately dissatisfying. But if we keep the main thing, Jesus, as our central focus and keep everything, I don't see it like a, like a wheel, you know, with spokes going out. Keep him the hub and everything else comes out of that. All right. Then you can deal with the finances and the marriage and the, and the kids and the business and the emotions and, and, and all of life. Out of the, the power source of resurrection life that you've got in Jesus. Then everything works. Then there's power. But if we miss that. If we're not seeing Jesus in Genesis. If we're not seeing Jesus in Exodus. If we're not seeing Jesus in the Judges and in, the, in Ruth. And, and all the Old Testament. As well as of course Matthew through Revelation. If we're not seeing him. We're not seeing the very answer that we need. And we've lowered our ministry, lowered our help to ourselves, to other people, to just mental exercise. And again, people will get some result with practicing good principles in life. But I'm talking about something far better. Something much deeper. Something that goes beyond explanation. Something that goes beyond a human being's ability to cause and make it happen. This is the life-changing power of God. We must never forget. I tell you what, if I could get, again, I believe in and teach on all these subjects and all these things. But if I could get a husband and a wife who are struggling, not getting along and not having a good relationship. If I could get them. To focus on Jesus. And that might sound like theoretical. I'm telling you it's not. To look for Jesus when you pray and when you read the word. And see what he's done and what he's accomplished on your behalf and all he is in you. If I could get two people to pursue and, 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 and go after that understanding. I could fix their marriage. Without ever telling them how to communicate. And again, not that the communication discussion is, you know, useless. But I'm telling you, so many times people are working all on the outside and the, the, the core is missing. Trying to deal with all the results and all the symptoms of, uh, of their problems in life. And, and the very root of this thing is out of place. And what is that? It's simply, we've got to get our eyes on the main thing, man. 
we got to get our folks. I need a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done and who he is in me. And out of that, man, the power source is turned up. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24 says this, 124, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What is Christ is the power. If I want more power, Christ. If I want more wisdom, Christ. I've got to get my focus on him. Got to get my mind on where it's supposed to be. And if I, again, if I, if I keep my mind off that, I've missed the point. I read the whole book, and I don't even know who the main character is. That's sad. We can argue about Peter and John, and Mark, and, and all, all the guys, and and, and people get hung up with Philemon, uh, you know, or not Philemon, but who was the guy? Trophimus. <laughs> and, uh, and, and all these different people. And I'm into studying all of them and understanding. And, and, and most people in there I don't remember because they got weird names. But, but you know what? I can study all there's value and all that. But if I know about every disciple, and I can name the disciples, I can sing the disciples. <laughs> Sing the books of the Bible, and, and, and I could I memorize these scriptures. Fine, good, if your eyes are on Jesus. I've met people who could quote. I remember talking to a guy on the streets one day in, in, a, in a big city. I was sharing the Lord with him, and he was like a machine gun quoting scriptures. I thought, wow, he knows far more scriptures than I do as far as memorization goes. But there was something that just wasn't right about the guy. I thought, what is wrong here? Your life does not match up with your supposed knowledge of God's Word. That's because he didn't know Jesus. He knew a lot of words. He was like those guys in the, in the Scripture there. If we water down Jesus, we water down the power. We water down wisdom. Jesus is an offensive name in some circles these days in our culture. But what would you do if you were the devil? <laughs> I mean, I you don't, don't want to think about that too long, I guess. If I were the devil, I mean, but seriously, if you recognized where life comes from and where power comes from, where the answer is, you would try to distract people and get them away from it. And if you could get churches to focus on peripheral issues instead of Jesus, you'd do that. If you could create a society that was intolerant towards the name of Jesus, and, you know, if they were you know, like praying in city councils and all that, and you got them to pass laws that you can't pray in the name of Jesus and things like that, you would do that. You would do whatever you can to keep people away from where the power is. And that's working in our day today. Let's not let it be in us. Come on, let's not let it be in our lives, in our church, nothing. I mean, we got to keep Jesus the central focus. In closing, Hebrews chapter 12, remember that? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, how am I going to run my race? How am I going to live my life, carry out God's plan, do something awesome with my life only by looking unto Jesus? So, well, you run your race, you got to work on your form, you got to stretch, you got you to do that, you got to work on all this kind of stuff. No, I just need to look unto Jesus. We can give a natural answer to everything, but
But I tell you what, our gospel, the gospel that we preach, is not supposed to just be a social gospel or a political gospel or a, or a, or a psychological gospel or a, just a, anything of that nature, some kind of self-help gospel. No, we are to be preaching the real, genuine power of God, and that is Jesus. He is the answer. Well, let me just help you clean up your life a little bit. No, let me get you to commit your life fully, once and for all, to Him. And then ask Him to open your eyes to see all that He has made you to be in Him. And watch problems fall off. Watch victory rise up. I don't have to tell you how, what a scoundrel you are for sinning. <laughs> I don't have to look at myself and, and just be able to identify everything that's wrong. No, if I can look at Him, if I can identify who I am in Him, those things will fall off. Oh, it's much funner too. <laughs> much more fun. I don't think funner is a word. <laughs> Praise God. But it's far less condemning. And it actually works. I'm into things that work. Jesus works. Amen. He's alive. We celebrate his resurrection today. Praise God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence, for your help in time of need. Lord, you, you are our sufficiency you are the answer to all of life's need you are the answer to the sin problem to the sickness and disease problem to the depression problem to the marriage problem you're the answer to the financial problem you're the answer to everything and we rest in the fact that you have conquered death and you have overcome every curse in the earth Lord we rest in you and thank you Lord all your promises now are manifest and come true we listen to your voice to reveal Jesus to us every single day not focused on ourselves what we're good at what we're not but we're focused on Jesus and the finished work that he wrought thank you for doing a powerful thing in our hearts and minds today to help us to stay on focus and on track in every way we give you the thanks we praise you for you are good for you are good you are good we worship you today Lord. may our hearts and minds be filled with Jesus today and all of our days focus on you and then we come into agreement then we come into greater unity than ever before we give you thanks and praise father i pray for those who've come to church